Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Breaking news, a powerful tropical storm lashes the Texas coast with heavy rain and life-threatening storm surge. Tonight, a still-recovering Gulf Coast prepares for more flooding. States of emergency as nearly 15 million Americans face a tropical storm warning from Nicholas, the 14th named storm of the year. Back to school, New York City, the nation's largest school district, heads back to the classroom. What's being done to protect children from COVID as outbreaks have forced nearly 1,700 schools nationwide to close. Plus, the new update on when elementary school kids might be eligible for a coronavirus shot. Capitol Hill threat, a California man arrested with a machete and bayonet in his neo-Nazi pickup truck with Capitol Police on alert for this Saturday's rally supporting the January 6th rioters. California recall, Democrats call in the party's stars to campaign for Governor Newsom, including President Biden, how the state's election is driving national politics. America's oldest World War II veteran, the celebration for the 112-year-old Lawrence Brooks and the secret to his long life. He says his motto is, be good to people. Breaking barriers, how an NFL official made history on the field. And Colin Big Man on campus will introduce you to the 13-year-old now attending one of America's elite engineering schools. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you so much for joining us. And we're going to begin with breaking news because the arrival of Tropical Storm Nicholas along the Gulf Coast of Texas is here. The storm near hurricane strength has millions of Americans under flash flood watches tonight. It's actually the 14th named storm of the season, a number not typically hit until mid-November. Nicholas is bringing gusts topping 65 miles per hour, a potentially life-threatening surge of sea and water, and torrential rain. A widespread area of Texas is bracing for 6 to 12 inches 
inches of rain. Some places could see as much as a foot and a half. And states of emergency have been declared as the storm could impact efforts to restore power still out after Hurricane Ida hit two weeks ago. We'll get the latest on the track and timing of Nicholas in just a moment. But first, CBS's Janet Shamley leads off our coverage in Galveston, Texas. Good evening, Janet. Nora, good evening. The outer bands of tropical storm Nicholas are churning up the Texas coast tonight. You can see the wind and the heavy rain kind of bringing and churning up the surf right now, and it's only expected to get worse over the next couple hours. Across the region, they are preparing for potentially life-threatening flooding, and I can tell you here in Galveston, it's already dangerous. The driving is treacherous. There is low visibility, and as this storm moves from Texas into Louisiana, communities are preparing for days of heavy rain. The Gulf Coast is under threat once again tonight two weeks after the death and devastation of Hurricane Ida. Tropical Storm Nicholas could deliver catastrophic rainfall. Now there are watches, warnings, and worry from the Louisiana coast through southeast Texas, including Galveston and Houston, down to Corpus Christi. There are people who do drive into uh, high water, and they sometimes lose their vehicles and even worse, sometimes lose their lives. Nicholas could dump as much as two feet of rain, even as recovery from Category 4 Ida is just getting underway. Heavy rainfall is expected in Louisiana over the next two days, which could spark flooding in areas already washed out by Ida. This is two weeks post-hurricane. This video posted today shows one city in Louisiana still flooded after Ida. This is a familiar sight down here right now. One of the things we have to guard against is dismissing uh, the threat of this storm uh, because it is not projected currently to reach hurricane strength before it makes landfall. Here in Texas, the hours to get ready are already passed. Businesses are closed and most school districts have closed for tomorrow. Nora. All right, Janet Chamlin in Galveston, Texas. Stay safe out there. Thank you so much. Well, it is going to be a long night for folks along the Gulf, and the worst effects may not be felt till the morning. Let's get the forecast now from CBS's Jeff Beardell. Jeff, it's tough out there for folks. Yeah, good evening, Nora, and good evening, everybody. The worst is yet to come. It's just about to move on shore. You know, once again, we're dealing with a life-threatening flood situation. I think undoubtedly roads will become impassable in certain areas, and there will be water in homes. Right now, the storm is located just offshore, and so is the heavier rain. But it's beginning to move north at a pretty good clip right now at 12 miles an hour. Right now it's tropical storm, but it could become a hurricane briefly before making landfall around midnight, right around the Bay City area. After that, it becomes somewhat uncertain. Here's the reason why. Notice this bend to the east. Some of the computer models slow it down to a crawl. If that happens, we're talking about catastrophic flooding. A five out of five flood risk now for places like Galveston all the way east towards Port Arthur. And then that big flood threat moved from northeast Texas into Louisiana during the day tomorrow. Anywhere you see in the white, that means we could see over a foot of rain, some places picking up as much as 20 inches of rain. That is both for coastal Texas, northeast Texas, and also in interior portions of Louisiana as well. The bottom line is if you live in an area that typically floods, you should plan on the possibility of water in your home. If you have anything that's very valuable to you, it would be a good idea to lift it up off the ground just to protect it and keep it safe. Nora? 
Jeff Beardelli, good information. Thank you. And we want to turn now to the COVID pandemic and a major milestone for its one-time epicenter of New York City. For the first time in a year and a half, about a million students returned to in-person learning today. CBS's Meg Oliver on what's being done to keep everyone safe. This morning, Natalia Morakver couldn't wait to take her 7- and 11-year-old daughters back to school. I think it is more than safe to send kids back to school. They miss socialization. They miss learning. Uh, they miss the interaction with their friends. After 18 months of pandemic shutdowns, plus remote and hybrid learning... We're going to do it. We're ready. We- New York City Schools Chancellor Misha Porter called today's reopening a milestone. With mask requirements, classroom air purifiers, and vaccine mandates for teachers and staff, Porter is confident schools are safe. Despite all of that, there are a lot of nervous parents. How do you reassure them that it is safe to send their kids back to school? I think what's important is where we agree. And we all agree that the best learning happens in person between students and teachers. And we have done the work to get our buildings safe, to get them ready. Still, some concerned parents march to demand a remote learning option on Sunday. Love you. Have a great day. Daniel Cohn has mixed emotions about sending his nine-year-old son back to class. I mean, a sense of relief, but also mixed with apprehension. Uh, We don't know what the Delta variant is going to bring for the school. Today, the American Academy of Pediatrics reported more than 240,000 new cases last week, the second highest total since the pandemic began. And since reopening this year, COVID outbreaks have forced nearly 1,700 schools nationwide to close. How do you prevent that from happening in the nation's largest school district? Continue to follow the health and safety protocols. If folks in New York City are getting vaccinated, our vaccination rates are up, and that's how we build a protective bubble around our schools. Here in New York City, roughly 75% of school staff and 65% of eligible students are vaccinated. Former FDA Director Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who's on Pfizer's board, says Pfizer could have a vaccine available for kids ages 5 to 11 by Halloween. But, Nora, it's ultimately up to the FDA. All right, Meg Oliver, thank you very much. And Washington, D.C. is on alert tonight, days before a rally in support of the Capitol Hill rioters after a man was arrested with a truck full of weapons and swastikas. He told police he was, quote, on patrol and talking about white supremacist ideology. We get more on this now from CBS's Jeff Pegues. With Capitol Hill already on edge ahead of a potentially dangerous political rally this weekend, a California man was arrested this morning after police found a bayonet and several knives in his pickup truck parked near Democratic National Committee headquarters where a pipe bomb was found on January 6th. The truck had several swastika markings on it. Authorities say this weekend's rally at the Capitol in support of those arrested for taking part in the January attack could bring extremists intent on sparking violence. Capitol Police briefed lawmakers this morning. I think they're much better prepared than things were before January 6th. Law enforcement officials acknowledged intelligence failures leading up to January 6th. And this time around, they aren't taking any chances. New surveillance cameras were installed this morning. And eight-foot-high security fencing will return. The fence will go up uh, a day or two before, and, and if everything goes well, it'll go down. It'll come down uh, very soon after. Paul Abate is the deputy director of the FBI. Should there be concern 
that there could be some sort of uh, violence associated with that date. We're postured with our partners for September 18th, uh, now and even beyond that, uh, to ensure that violence doesn't occur. I am standing where protesters are expected to gather this coming weekend. And while law enforcement is not expecting especially large numbers of people to gather here, under new leadership, Capitol Police have expressed repeatedly, as publicly as they can, that they will be prepared no matter who shows up. Nora. All right, we'll be covering it. Jeff Begays, thank you. Secretary of State Antony Blinken came under fire today over the Afghanistan withdrawal when he testified before a House committee. Republicans called the pullout a disaster and a disgrace. Some called on Blinken to resign. Thirteen American service members were killed in a suicide bombing during the withdrawal. Blinken said there are about 100 Americans in Afghanistan who still want to leave. And he insisted that the Afghan government's collapse happened much more quickly than anyone expected. Also tonight, the U.N. is warning that Afghanistan faces a severe food crisis in the coming months. At least a million children are at risk of starvation. And tonight, President Biden is on his first trip west since taking office. He says the raging wildfires point to the need for spending trillions on infrastructure. The president's also hoping to boost a key political ally. We get more now from CBS's Major Garrett. President Biden on a West Coast swing tonight, talking wildfires and recall politics, hoping to give California Governor Gavin Newsom a boost before tomorrow's vote. Thank God you got a governor who understands there is a COVID crisis. Newsom has pulled ahead this in recent weeks with help from the party's top stars and by linking his top Republican challenger, radio host Larry Elder, with former President Trump. Donald Trump was defeated last November, but Trump is and hasn't been defeated. Donald Trump is irrelevant to this election. But in Trumpian fashion, Elder has also sown doubt about the integrity of the election, claiming, quote, shenanigans could be at play. I want people to vote. I want people to believe in this election. Under recall rules, a majority of voters have to vote yes to recall Newsom. If that happens, the top vote-getter among 46 challengers becomes governor, no matter how small their share of the vote. Recall organizers blame Newsom for overly burdensome pandemic restrictions and hypocrisy. At the height of his COVID lockdown orders, the governor dined at the posh French Laundry restaurant with lobbyists but without masks or social distancing. Without exception, hesitation, we've acknowledged mistakes. Elder told us he would roll back mask and testing requirements for state employees on day one. But he's also drawn fire for comments about women and race. Racism has never been a less significant problem in America than today. And Major Garrett joins us now from Long Beach, California. So, Major, what is the latest polling on this high stakes race? So, Nora, public polls and, as we have learned, internal Republican polls indicate Newsom is likely to keep his job. But the governor is running scared, having already plowed more than $65 million into this race. Perhaps with an eye toward running up the score, President Biden is campaigning here in Long Beach with the governor at an election eve rally. All right, Major Garrett, thanks so much. Now a CBS News investigation that has uncovered a new criminal enterprise. Cyber criminals are going to frightening lengths to bully and harass some social media users into giving up their accounts so that they can then sell them to the highest bidder. Well, in at least one case, that harassment turned deadly. Here's CBS's David Begno. 60-year-old Mark Herring scooped up the Twitter handle at Tennessee in the social media site's very early days. More than a decade after that, his daughter Corey and ex-wife Fran told us that people started asking to buy it from him. And he'd tell him no because he, he loved his handle. Then one night last year, Herring's local sheriff's department received a chilling 911 call. This is Elena. How can I help you? 
The person claimed to be Mark Herring. I just shot someone. You just shot somebody? Yes, ma'am. Believing that they were responding to an actual emergency, police raced up to Herring's home in the woods of central Tennessee. And so he went outside to to see what was going on. In the moment, they thought, this is our guy. Yeah. The officers, guns pointed at Herring, told him to come out underneath that gate and put his hands up. He did, but standing tall, he collapsed. Mark Herring had a fatal heart attack. I believe that's what killed him, just being scared to death. The 911 call was a hoax. It was all part of an elaborate extortion campaign to force Herring to turn over his Twitter account. Saddening, it's maddening, it's disgusting. And it's criminal. And it's criminal. The bad actors are exploiting websites like this one, where usernames can sell for tens of thousands of dollars. CBS News has learned of a growing criminal enterprise where victims around the country say that they were threatened for their social media handles, some like Herring, by cyber criminals calling in fake emergencies. It's a tactic known as swatting. Swatting is becoming a more prevalent scheme that we're seeing in this type of uh, online extortion space. Kenneth Polite leads the U.S. Justice Department's criminal division. He told us there are currently no federal laws that explicitly outlaw swatting. They're targeting celebrities, politicians, federal prosecutors, judges have fallen prey uh, to these types of schemes. Just one week after Mark Herring died, the FBI arrested this man, Shane Sonderman, a 20-year-old. Prosecutors say he arranged the swatting call. Now, he pled guilty to conspiracy, and in July, he was sentenced to five years in prison. Five years is nothing compared to a life being lost, so we won't laws changed. He took away a person, a life. David Begno, CBS News, Laverne, Tennessee. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. It's an historic moment for diversity and inclusion in the NFL. Maya Chaka on Sunday became the first black woman to officiate an NFL game. She was part of the officiating crew in the game between the New York Jets and Carolina Panthers. Shaka said it was an honor and an accomplishment for all women, her community and culture. And tonight, a special salute to the oldest living World War II veteran. That's right. Lawrence Brooks turned 112 years old on Sunday. He was honored with a drive-by celebration at his home in New Orleans. You know, that was a good one. Brooks served in the Army as part of the predominantly black 91st Engineer Battalion. His birthday bash was organized by the National World War II Museum in New Orleans. If you ask Mr. Brooks, why did, why do, have you lived so long? He says his motto is be good to people. 
Be good to people. Brooks has five kids, 13 grandchildren, and 22 great-grandchildren. And we thank him for his service. You know, beginning college can be a humbling experience, no matter how smart or how old you are. Here's CBS's Mark Strassman. Kayla Vanderson's adjusting to big changes. And this is Kayla. His new campus at Georgia Tech. I'm taking integral calculus. I have a stu- His new voice. I'm taking integral calculus. I have a studio for that. See, Caleb just turned 13. By far, the youngest whiz kid at one of America's elite engineering schools. Have you got some funny looks? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I also have had those moments where, you know, man, I am at college. And, you know, this is incredible. At nine months, Caleb learns sign language. Reading at one. Caleb. This. By two, doing fractions. At three, he qualified for Mensa. And now, an aerospace engineering major instead of a seventh grader. I'm being challenged. You're not the only smart kid in the room. Oh, definitely. I think I'm average here. Class is easy, class is hard. Class is definitely hard. The one thing that unites everybody in this school is that the work is terrifying. (laughs) But what scares him now could make him even smarter. Mark Strassman, CBS News, Atlanta. And tomorrow here on the CBS Evening News, what it's like to experience zero gravity. Yes, look at this. We take a wild ride with the soon-to-be astronaut. And a reminder, if you can't watch us live, don't forget to see your set your DVR so you can watch that later. I mean, you don't want to miss that. That was crazy. <laughs> All right, I'm Nora O'Donnell. See you tomorrow. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be because Survivor 46 is here and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Devaya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because... Even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.